Awakening the faithful, reaching the lost, and making church matter. Welcome to the Rebuilt Podcast. If you love your parish, listen to this podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rebuilt Podcast. I'm Kelly Lippenholtz, your host, and I'm joined by Tom Corcoran today as every time I am. <laughs> Pretty much. I think Hi, there's, Tom. One with, there's one without me. You and Kelly did. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. That's right. So, how you doing, Kelly? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So, we're in the middle of our summer here at Nativity and, and with our kids. What's going on uh, in your world in the middle of the summer? Yeah, the tail end. I mean, I think I kind of do it by the message series, you know. Oh, so you we do? Have, okay. We have 12 weeks of summer mm-hmm. message series, and now we finished week eight of our series in the beginning. We're going to be starting a brand new series bad guys of the Bible. Yes, I'm excited for that. <laughs> so, but that's that last kind of quarter of the summer here, I guess. So yeah. uh, we're coming coming to the end. It's both exciting. It's a little scary. And a little scary because it means fall's coming. It um, means, yeah, it means all the preparing we should have been doing, all the planning we should have been doing <laughs> in June and in July are now upon us. Yes. We need to be ready. Yeah. So August kind of turns... And it still feels a little bit like light at church right now with people being away. I yeah, think this yeah. Is the end, but it'll start to pick up. I now. know, but yeah, when do we see that turn? Well, I mean, I think in some ways it is like a switch turns mm-hmm. after Labor after Day. After Labor for sure. Day, yeah. But you start to see it pick up. I think kind of this is the dog days of summer for sure. Right. Uh, but kids going back to school. Oh, and that's a bad word in my house <laughs> right now. You're not allowed to say that yet. And sports programs picking up, like people have football yeah. camps and things like that. Practice so starts, yeah. Less people, people are traveling less, so. Anyway. All right. Well, like Tom said, we're at the end of our first summer message series and we're starting um, Bad Guys of the Bible next. That's going to be great. Tune in on our website if you can. Um, But that's what we're talking about today. We want to talk about the message. There you go. Right. Good segue, Kelly. Oh, we didn't thank even practice you. That. There you go. <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics. I'm so excited. This is what drew me to Nativity. This is what got me here to begin with. I came and sat in the very back row and heard a really great, relevant message that felt like Father White had been watching me for a couple days um, and then <laughs> spoke exactly to my circumstance. It's what brought me back. And so... Uh, and we hear stories all the time that the message is what brings people back after they visit. And so why is it such a big deal, Tom? Why why does the message matter so much? Well, I think, uh, let me even back up a little bit. Okay. Mind? Sorry, we didn't. Sure. Uh, but just in the sense of. Yeah, we don't rehearse this. We just get together. <laughs> I don't talk to Tom any other time until we walk into this room. <laughs> this is apparently obvious. But I was just saying, you know, back, you know, three, you know, we talk about three core strategies of the church that we are going to be a church that reaches unchurched people. We want to be a church unchurched people want to attend, mm-hmm. create a great weekend experience, and that we are going to shape a clear discipleship path for people. So the message is part of that second core strategy right. that we are going to um, create a great weekend experience. And we say it's the music, the message, and the ministers. And so we're talking about the message right now, which is what we call the homily. So now going into your question, Kelly. Okay. Um, you know, just wor- I think words are powerful. I think we forget that, how powerful words are. Mm-hmm. Um, we just actually watching an Andy Stanley series on... My Big Fat Mouth. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen this okay. one yet. The first three are especially good. Um, the fourth one I thought was a stretch for how it fit for the series, but okay. no anyway, no, no offense to Andy. Um, but anyway, just <laughs> he talks about how we're all powerful people because mm-hmm. we all speak words. Sure. Uh, oh, wow. And Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Uh, James 3.5 to 5, James three five says, you know, 
while a t- the tongue is a small member of our body, it has great power. So uh, all of us have uh, great power with our words. Uh, we are largely who we are because the words, or our hurts are because the words spoken over us, but even our, our accomplishments are because probably words spoken to us right. that encouraged us in the right direction. Sure, yeah, we, we can all remember something a coach or a teacher might have said, positive or negative, because I remember both. I had teachers that said really awesome things to me that spurred me on, and I had teachers that brought me down. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I mostly remember mean things that like a girl or even more so a boy said to me that just crushed me, you know, like you allow someone else's words to crush you sometimes. Right. And and this is an analogy from the series and and we're not gonna be talking about the series the whole time, but I thought this was a great analogy that like just hit me between the eyes was he talks about like if you put your hand in the car door and someone slams on it, Mm -hmm. you slam the door on somebody, you can say, I'm sorry. Right. But that doesn't take away the pain of right. just having you slam the door. They need to go to the emergency room. Yeah. Now that needs to be taken care of. It's like, well, the same thing is with our words. Yeah. You can. We say stupid things all the time. You or at least I do. Say them. <laughs> you can't. I do too, them. Tom. All well, the time. And this hit me. I, I actually yelled at my daughter about a week ago. Just very frustrated. I, we were taking two cars. You know, we need two cars for my whole family to go anywhere. Their kids are fighting over who goes in what car. Mm. And my daughter's like, can I go in this car? I'm like, I don't. And I, anyway, mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. I just, I yelled at her. I don't care. Just get in a car. Right. And I felt bad right away. And I went over, I'm yeah. sorry. And she like gave me a look. And I'm like, well, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah. doesn't matter. My words are powerful. So It's already out there. Yeah. Yep. So that was just a great reminder of me, the power of words. Again, and that was actually a negative one, but we want to use them to build people right. up and encourage people. Yes. So why is it so much harder to, like, why do negative words stick with us longer? This is like a rabbit hole. We could go down for a while. Yes. But I asked that in my small group too. I'm like, and I don't think we came up with a good answer. I don't. I <laughs> so. mean, only a psychiatrist or, or a psychologist probably knows the answer to that, but it I, certainly I, seems true. It's just, it's just more evidence for us to speak life more than we speak yeah. negatively. It's a little digression. I, I, I like John Eldridge said something about, we were made, created to be in a world of 100% pure love. Mm. That that's the world God created for us. That's the world we will have in heaven. We will live in an environment of total love, of God loving us, us loving God, others loving us. That's what heaven is, and we're not in that world. So I think maybe because we're made for a 100% love environment. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we need as much as that as we can get. As we can get, and that's right. why the negative things are such a... Reminder to us that this isn't really our home, and this right. isn't really—it's not how we've been created. So Aww, that's great. That's my thought, anyway. So, but church has struggled with with messages. I mean, it's called the homily for us in uh, in the Catholic world, or it has been. We call it the message. Churches haven't really emphasized preaching a whole lot. Why is that? How can we change that? Well, I think I mean, why I, I think the reason later, why but... it hasn't. Well, I think the reason why it hasn't is a little bit of reaction, unfortunately, in the Catholic Church. I think it goes all the way back to the Council of Trent in some ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go back to the 1500s that Protestants went with the Word and preaching the Word, and Catholics, we went back to sacraments. And, you know, it was just a reaction against that. In some ways, we're still dealing with that. Mm. Um, and there's been certain periods of time in the Church where preachers have arisen or preaching orders have arisen, but they seem to not have been enculturated into the whole Church, or even, you know... So I don't uh, for whatever reason I think we think of good preaching as a Protestant thing, but that's not that's I don't know where that that's just hmm. in reaction to the Protestant Reformation. That's not anywhere in Scripture or anywhere in the history of the Church. Hmm. 
Okay. When you say go back to the 1500s, it doesn't really help me out much. What do you mean? This, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Council of Trent, when, when the Protestant Reformation broke, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, so the Catholics, we went to the sacraments. We got the sacraments. The Protestants became people of the book, and so therefore preaching became more important. And so, again, you, you get these, like, things of traditionalism saying, we, well, we're Catholics, so that means the sacraments, that means Mary, that means these right, saints, right. versus just an appreciation for preaching. Preaching the word. And then even, sorry, this is not even in our notes, but we're going further. And when Father Michael and I were in, in Germany, he would point out, because he's in architecture, look, look at that, you would see the innovation in some Catholic churches in some places at certain points would be, um, if you've ever been in a, in a church where they had that like that pulpit kind of up high, yeah. and it's kind of right in the middle of mm-hmm. the whole church. Um, I'm trying to forget what church we oh, saw that in Munich. Uh-huh. That was a... That was trying to lean back towards the right. the Reformation and say, okay, they are preaching well. Many of the people are going towards Protestantism because of the good preaching. We got to be we good preaching. Mm-hmm. But some people went the other way. No, we're going to reject that right, and right. say we have nothing to do with good preaching. We are about the sacraments, and that's going to be it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, But we think the message is very important here. So we came to that conclusion a while ago. <laughs> well, I, But to be... And we came to that because of our Protestant brothers and sisters yeah. and being at Saddleback and other churches. Mm-hmm. And again, I think there's people in the in the Catholic Church that's now like we had Fulton Sheen back in the '50s, who was a great preacher. Um, now there's um, you know a lot of people out there, Father Michael, <laughs> there's, yeah. uh, you know Scott Hahn, who's not a you know not a priest but a pre- mm-hmm. great preacher. There's you know Christophanic, and there's a lot of people out there now that are preaching and bringing the word. And I think this is growing. Yeah. But what I would love to see it is, I, I still don't think in parishes we understand the incredible power we have. Again, we, the words are powerful. Now we get one of, you know, I'm pointing to our microphone. Yes. You get a microphone, and you get to speak in front of these people every single week. Mm-hmm. What a power that is. Right. And so, so let's, let's use that power. Let's leverage that power that we have. Everybody's sitting and waiting and listening right. at that moment. Exactly. Yeah. And so as we kind of have in our next notes, you know, number, you know, words are powerful. And second, the, the, the pulpit is the rudder of the church ship. Easy for me to say. But, um, <laughs> and again, just like a rudder, it's disproportionate. The size is so small. It can direct the whole ship. The pulpit seems like such a small thing in the church. And especially, I guess, in church people, all the things going on, you know, right. we know all the things we got to do on a weekly basis just to make everything run. We see we lose sight though of this very small piece and how much direction it gives to the whole organization. Right. Um, you know, a couple other thoughts we have here is you know the message, the one chance that we get to bring everyone on the same page. I mean, it's such an amazing thing about the church. It's the only organization that brings together everybody from all fields yeah, of life. Yeah, this is a great point. When I was looking over the notes, which I don't always get to do, but I was looking over the notes today, and it got all is kinds of just, confessions today. Anyway, I know. It is just incredible that we have all these people from all walks of life sitting there ready to hear the same message. People from the medical field, educators, businessmen, nonprofits, government, every major sector of society is sitting there waiting right so I mean, what we're gonna say and it's the only way that it's the only organization that brings intentionally brings these people together mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. nfl game brings all these people together but they're not there for the same purpose or right. same mission we have the opportunity to get them all on board the same mission yeah so, but the place that's going to be is the message the homily is the one opportunity 
in all seasons of life. We get different generations. Mm-hmm. What other organization? Now, again, as a church, we need to be better at reaching the next organization. But what other organization gets to bring together all these different people from all walks, of, all, all ages and generations? So, and the best opportunity we have, again, is the message. It is the homily. Um, and I think until parishes get intentional about the homily and how they're using the pulpit, they're not going anywhere. And so it's, I, and, and maybe there's exceptions, but I don't, I don't yeah. know. Push back on me, Kelly. You, you agree. You're from here. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, well, here's the pushback. Like the liturgy of the Eucharist is the most important part of the mass, Tom. What are you talking about? The message is most important. It's the Eucharist. It's Jesus. Yes. I, I agree with that part. But the one part that we get to do anything about, I mean, the, right. the, the Eucharist is going to happen. Assuming the priest wants to do what Jesus wants to do, that's the throw another kind of ex yep. opere operato. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Um, this is the thing that we have control over. And right. it, and I don't think anyone, no one hears that if you're Catholic and listening to this, no one's debating that we need to be doing the Eucharist. So it, it's, right, but right, what right. we need to convince people is to take seriously the pulpit. And again, pastors, you need to be as intentional about who you allow to be at the ship's helm, mm-hmm. right? You know, the, the and that's the helm, the <laughs> message, right? That's, that's what you're saying. Every single week, yep, that's helping to direct where the church is going. Uh, so just don't give it away to anybody. Okay. All right. Give me a third reason why the message matters so much. Again, we just say it's the power to produce life change. Uh, with our Again, our words, we, you were saying in the beginning, there are certain points yeah. you remember where... Um, Father Michael's homily changed your life, got you coming back to church, oh, other people. Never forget that. Here's what he said. Love someone who doesn't deserve to be loved. It's just, I mean, it was 15 years ago, and I'll never forget that. And my <laughs> husband and I still say it to each other all the time because we had someone in our life at that time that we weren't loving. We were actually planning on how we were going to hate them even better. Because <laughs> <laughs> you need to plan that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. You got to plan that That doesn't out. just happen naturally. <laughs> And so, yeah, that, those were life-changing words. I mean, not all words are life-changing. I mean, let's talk about that for a second. Like, if we're preaching for life change, like, what does that really look like? What does a life change look like? It's really got to change someone's perspective, someone's attitude towards how, mm. they're, how they see the world. Yeah, it's got to, yeah, it's got to take, pick them up, take them along on a journey, mm-hmm. and engage them intellectually in their mind, but also their heart. Yeah. And we'll kind of get to this a little bit either in this one or the next podcast. Oh, yeah, I think the next one. The next one, I I love, yeah. So Stay um, tuned for September then, too. (laughs) Um, You know, and again, if you reflect on your own experience, so you have yours, loves, what's that again? Love someone who doesn't doesn't deserve to be loved, which, which, by the way, is everyone. None of us deserve love, Right. right? Like, we're all sinners, and we've all hurt each other, and... But some more than others, right? Some people are a lot harder to love. And this was someone who was very hard to love. Love someone who doesn't deserve to be loved. Okay. So, yeah, and that stuck with you. Yeah. And that's the hard thing. You know, we kind of had the notes earlier. That words are like soap bubbles. They go and they're gone. I don't even know if Father Michael remembers him saying that, but he, you oh, remember yeah. him saying that. No, so. I'm sure he doesn't. It was so long ago. But, it, yeah, it had great, great power over both my husband and I at the time. Um. Yeah, and, and I'm trying to. I don't. I'm trying to think of how my mine were a bit more sermons. I've talked about money all the time. Mm-hmm. About that was just hearing preaching oh, about yeah, money, yeah. and that just changed my life. Mm-hmm. So, if you reflect on your own um, experience, there's there's just some you'll you'll there's some message, some homily, some words that have been spoken over you that have changed your life. Um, and so, 
think we'll, should we break here? Okay, so we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with more reasons why the message matters. Did you know that Rebuilt is now available as an audiobook? Hear the compelling and inspiring story of how Father Michael and Tom brought their parish back to life in the voices of the authors themselves. Understand the vision and strategies that made Nativity a church of growing disciples, growing disciples. Cardinal Timothy Dolan said about Rebuilt, if you love your parish, read this book. But now you can listen to it too. You can find Rebuilt in audiobook format on audible.com. Just search for Rebuilt and listen away. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rebuilt Podcast. Today, Tom and I are talking about why the message matters, and we just went over three reasons why your message matters on Sunday. Words are powerful, the pulpit is the rudder of the church ship, and it has the power to produce life change. The message has the power to produce life change. So, pastors, be intentional about controlling that rudder. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, good. (laughs) And so now we're going to talk a little bit about best practices for your message. And the first one of those is something that we've been employing for a while now. How long have we been doing one church, one message? I would say in some form or another since 2004. So Yeah. And so I think this is probably pretty hard for some churches to do if they have different people speaking throughout the weekend. Like how, what do, how do we recommend? So what is one church, one message? Yeah. Got, yeah. Uh, so the first thing, again, everyone in the church here is the same homily. Okay. So at all the masses, not how, how many masses, if you have four or five masses, everybody hears the, exact, the same. The exact, exact same. same. Okay. I would say the exact same. Similar, same topic. If All right, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> you see my face. I'm trying I to. I know. Because I understand how some places do it, and they. And I think it's better than nothing. Yeah. But I think ideally, I would say exact same message, mm-hmm. but I understand some places struggle. So if, if you move in that direction, I think that's fine. But eventually I would say exact same. Um, again, it just gets everyone in the parish moving the same direction. As we talked about earlier, we have people coming from all different aspects of life, mm-hmm. medical field, education, politics, government, entertainment, business, you name it, right? How on earth are we getting them all in the same direction if they don't have the same message? If they're right? not hearing the same message. Right. And as we talk about in our book, sometimes you have we have people we're having conflicting messages, you know. Right. The priest could say one thing at one mass and a different priest at the other. So again, how can we be a movement mm. of growing disciples mm-hmm. if we're not all hearing the same thing? There's just right. we can't be moving the same direction. So um, mm. you know, for us that extends into our small groups. I don't think it. I think for any parish, to place the first star is the weekend experience and then sure. the weekend masses. But mm-hmm. we've we struck we've played with different things for student programs and and children's. So yeah, we always have a couple of message series per year that that work well for students and that work well for kids. But then there's always a couple that just don't, and we were we were really trying to fit something in that didn't work as well. And so we've strayed a little bit, um, not from one church, one message, because it means. All the adults hear the same message at all the weekend masses. Um, but for kids and students, there are certain things they need to hear that adults, you know, don't right. need to hear anymore. And it's some for students especially, they need to hear some of the same things every year. Right. And so we've gone in that direction a little bit. But we do really try to um, stay, you know, related to what yes. big church is doing. Okay. 
Because uh, we assume those kids are going to mass too. Right. And so, you don't want to hear the same exact message. That's right, right. That's right. And we had, we ran into that as a problem a little few years ago too. So, but again, what we mean is everyone in the same, same homily, given it all the masses. Again, if you start out with just a similar one, that's a good place to start. We would encourage you eventually everyone hears the same homily so that everyone gets moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of have here in my notes, you know, pastors, please, 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 please take control of your pulpit. Please, I beg you. Um, you know, if I could, again, if I could sit down with every pastor and be like, please take control of your pulpit. And then if whatever excuse, the reasons came up, I would mm-hmm. say excuses. I'll try to use a better word. Reasons. But struggles, okay. obstacles, whatever sure. comes up, I would say, okay, I would, I would love to help coach you through that because, again, it's just so important. And I know there's different obstacles, and this will kind of lead us to the next one, but mm-hmm. of, of preach, other preachers and associates and parochial vicars and deacons and it's exhausting and tiring i agree, i understand all that but mm-hmm. it's just so important that uh, one church one message all right we'll move on i guess okay. I, I guess i've beaten it and so that. related to that then is our second best practice which is putting talented people in the pulpit so how are pastors to do that <laughs> that's tough yeah i mean so that and that goes back to if there's a parochial victor or deacon who mm-hmm. has no, no talent right don't put them in front of people on the weekend now we got to develop. We need minor leagues. So do a small speech somewhere. Daily mass is a great place to preach or those mm-hmm. kind of things. But if we're going to move our organizations forward, if we're going to move our churches forward, we need people who can command attention and have some kind of talent. Now, talent needs to be developed. We're not born right. great speakers. I remember Kristen, who's mm-hmm. here, I think she kind of gave me a backhanded compliment one time saying... You've gotten hey, so much better. Yeah, the kind of thing Brian talked about last week. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, you were so bad when you started out. So <laughs> I was like... But you got much better, you know, at speaking. But you've so, really worked on it. So you have right? to work at yeah. it. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean a lack of talent doesn't mean that someone doesn't have to work at it. I mean, you can give people a time to develop and that kind of thing. But yeah. you've allowed me to develop in giving. I do some of the small group messages here at Nativity, which are recorded, and then small groups watch them. Um, and I wasn't good when I started either. Um, I loved it and I was excited about it and I had some good things to say, but I wasn't great at it. No, no one's going to, you know, yeah. you're not going to be, you're going to be bad at something before you can be good at it. Right. That's everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to learn guitar from Joe right now. I'm really bad at it. <laughs> and I'm sure at one point Joe was really bad at it. Joe's right. really good at it right. now. Well, Joe and one of the podcasts coming up. Oh so, yeah, that's right. Um, but you got to be bad before you can be good. You got to fail before you succeed, but you need but you don't have to fail publicly in front of everybody. <laughs> right. That's right. You and can start so, small. Like you were saying, like speaking, I spoke at a lot of smaller events before I started doing that too. I spoke in front of students before I started doing small group messages. Maybe one day I will speak in the summer. <laughs> Maybe one day you will. So <laughs> there is, there is, um, but we have to develop people. That's the point. And, yeah. And so, we kind of talk about our summer months where right there we do have people speak there and we it's after mass so it's not part of the liturgy mm-hmm. um and I, I just want just one more thing to say with this i think there's a lot of entitlements with ministry right we we run into that with a lot of times with like commute eucharistic ministers uh-huh. that like i get entitled to be this or ushers in churches or right. we see this i've all been the here time. the longest right. or yeah i'm entitled to do this and i think unfortunately it starts at the top um where a lot of times priests and deacons, there's an entitlement of I'm, I deserve to preach because, and no one, none of us deserve it. 
None of, we are all given this as a gift to serve God. It is not ours to own. We are called to do this by God, and God has called us to do it well. I'm, 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 I'm probably going to say this probably in not a way that's too nice. I don't know. It's okay. Have I been? Have I been? Uh, it's not to put anyone down, but we need to, or we need. If someone's not going to take it seriously enough, though, to get better right. and not improve, we should not be putting them in front of people. Right. All right. I agree. There we go. Okay. Maybe get in trouble for that. Very clear. Um, okay. So the third practice for for giving a great message is that our the message series can be simple. Right. Right. So do a message series because series are simple. Yeah. Series are or simpler. Simple. I should say. Simpler. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> say that three times. Fast. Yeah. That's no. I'm I'm gonna skip over that. Um, <laughs> doing a message series is simpler than just doing a standalone message. It gives you some, it, it, it gives you sort of something to invite people back to. It gives you more material to work with. You can kind of tell some stories throughout. It's easier, isn't it? To write in a message series. Yeah, I, I think, I think it is. That's why we say it's simpler because it gets you in a right mind frame. Um, all the growing churches I know employ this, right? It's yeah. just, um, I, I don't know of a single one that's like a, not a growing, healthy church yeah. that doesn't have series. I, I can't th- I can't think of one, at least of the ones I know of. There could be ones out there. I just don't know yeah. them. So that's why I think it's a best practice. If they all these all places do it. <laughs> right. If all these successful places yeah. are doing it, it must be working. Yeah. There might be exceptions to the rule, but. And so what does that look like, preaching in a series? What does so that look like? All we say is taking a topic and discussing it over a series of weeks. Um, again, it's easier to plan your preaching and teaching. We say it helps, just helps to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. That and continue a conversation. So if over six weeks we're talking about, I don't know, money or something like that, it's going to help start the conversation, and we know we're going to keep coming back to it over and over again, and that conversation can continue on the ball fields, mm-hmm. at, at the at schools. <laughs> there it is again. Right. Uh, wherever people are, and, and people in the office, if they work with people from the church, wherever that is, is going, they can do that. So yeah. it just creates interest in helping people to come out back mm-hmm. to uh, that I want to hear the next part of the series. Right. I want to know where this is going. Yeah. Um, you know, working on our... Keep a little bit from them each week. I mean, you're giving something every week too, but you can... Tease, yeah. Yeah, sure. Tease what's coming up next. You don't have to try to answer all the questions in one week. Mm-hmm. Um, you go a little deeper. Exactly. Uh, and we're was... going to talk about that in the ne- in our next podcast exactly. too, in September, a little more detail about how to do the message Getting, series. Yeah, get a little more granular on that. Yeah. It, the other thing, too, is we say it, it does help create life change as well, because, again, if I hear one message on money one week, okay. Yeah. But if I get, keep hearing it, keep hearing it, and keep hearing it, keeps drilling it in, it's changing my whole mind and changing my mind and renewing my mind. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll change my heart. Right. And lead to change yeah. of action. And and you're not saying the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's fresh and different every year and every week that we talk about it. It's it's a little bit different and fresh. Um, you have to work at that too. So saying this, we're not saying the same thing over and over. Right, right. But reminding, getting, reminding people because people forget, sure. right? They forget and saying it in different ways, yes. you know, people hear things differently. So yeah. Um, I love how it breaks up the year. You know, I'm a former teacher, and I love how a message series breaks up the year for us. It just feels right. Yeah, it feels like you're making progress, right? Yeah, there's something about it. It just, um, it does. It feels like a sense of accomplishment, and you know, you, like you just know, you know, that our fall is separated into three series. Like I, I have a picture of that in my mind: the three series, and then the the spring season is broken up into four or five series. Yeah, usually right just, on there. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it gives you a rhythm. It's a good way to work. Yeah, I I love a rhythm. I love a job with a rhythm like that. So um, the the fourth best practice that that we can offer is that you get a team together. So I think this is pretty easy to do. I think this one's the easiest one. Good. Why don't you talk about it? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is easy. You gather a team of people (laughs) that... I mean, and this, I saw it happen organically when I started working here. I mean, I think there was a message team, but, um, you know, different people got added to it as they said, like, oh, have you read this book? And, you know, like, I would hand you a book or I'd read, um, when I first started working here, I remember I'd read some Don Miller stuff and I really liked him. And I had read um, a book of his called Storyline. It was more like a workbook, which now it's a whole workshop of his. Um, but it was a little workbook and I bought it for like 20 bucks and now they go for over a hundred dollars, this little workbook that oh, I really? have. Yeah. I should sell mine, but it's all, it's all <laughs> written in. So, um, and I remember writing up a series about that and just like offering it, like, I don't know who writes the messages, but I wrote this. And, and so you can just start to identify people on your team, in your church, in your parish, people that like to read, um, different books, people that listen to podcasts, people that have ideas. Hey, you know what you should talk about? We should do a series on anger because I deal with this in my workplace all the time. And, and you know, people that, that come to you with ideas and have different points of views um, are great people to just get together and start yeah, talking about it. Right. I mean, even, just no matter who we are, we have a limited... Sure. A limited... Again, we're talking to people of all different walks of life. So yeah, again, yeah. For, especially for pastors and priests... Your life is different than most of the people in your pews. Yeah. You, you don't have kids. You don't know what that's like. Right. That's not your fault. Right. That, I've never worked in a business. I can't right. speak to businessmen, you right. know? Right. So, so for many people, that's that's their case. Right. Um, again, no matter who you are, you are limited in your life experience because yeah. we're limited. We're not God. <laughs> yeah. But you can benefit from bringing other people, and that helps us to then talk to those other people in our pews. Yeah. So that we just don't bring people together that are just like us or yes and different help, ages right? yeah and it brings richness to the to the um, to the messages to know that also I think too again the way it works for us a little bit is I again I would structure it in a way that works best for the main communicator so for Father Michael he doesn't like a blank page we bring you know we bring him ideas and research and 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 stuff something to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a I'm a pioneer. I like blank page. Yeah. But to get your eye, if so, if, you know, for small group messages, just to get your guys' ideas on what's it like for mom, what's the mom's perspective right. on this, that's helpful. So mm-hmm. bringing together a team, probably, you know, somewhere around five people is a good start, three to five, if you, just anybody to bring around you that are going to help create this series ideas and then can give feedback on the message on a regular basis, just on how do you speak to people in different right. life situations would be a great start. Yeah. Probably do more on that, but we will. That's all we, got time. we will next time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, the final best practice two is two more. There's two more. Oh, there are. Oh, I'm missing one. Yeah. There you go. I'll go. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Okay. I added that last minute. So two Sorry. more. You did. <laughs> uh, so another best practice. What is it? one, two, three, four? This is the fifth one. So we have six. Okay. Um, identify. I like this one too. Identify what you want them to know, do, and feel. This is from Andy, right? The, the know and do are, are from Andy, and then Craig Rochelle adds the feel, yeah, that's, which I think is a great good. Add addition to that. So yeah, for just sure. Until we know we want people to know what we want them to do and what we want them to feel, we really haven't thought our message through enough. Right, right. Otherwise, what's the point of the message? If right. you don't want them to do or know anything, what's the point? Yeah. So in every message, just want to make sure we have those. And the last one, Kelly, that I hid from you there mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. find your burden. And I just put that in because for me... Hmm. That is my biggest thing when it comes to speaking, that I have to find my burden. 
Um, what do you mean by that? Okay, so I get this from Andy Stanley, just like almost every good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he talked about how his, his father, Charles, who was also a preacher, would sometimes lean over to him when he was hearing a preacher and say, that guy doesn't have a burden. Mm. And what it is, is the burden is the one thing you got to get off your chest. It's like, I need people to know this. I mm. want people to know this. I'm, and you got to find that, like, I, I, and you carry that through a whole message where the best messages they have a burden where you know the speaker is not speaking just to get through a message, but they have a burden and something they, they desperately want you to get across. And until you find your burden, I don't think you're ready to preach. And so I added that because as, um, you know, Brian's been doing the messages this summer, that's what I kept coming back to him. Like, what's your, or if he right. did a great message, like, you had a burden, I felt it. So yeah. I, I added that in there because that's to me the, that's probably good. the I'm over thing. here taking notes for myself <laughs> for my next message. That's great. So just, you have to really, really care about something in the message that you're trying to communicate. Yeah, it's the one thing if I don't get across, and you can do that in many ways. It's like, yeah. you get excited about it. Like, oh my gosh, this changed my life. Or I want someone else to know this. Or you think about the person who, if they leave today and they don't hear this, their life will be ruined. Right. And however you get, there's different ways to get there. Yeah. But, but you got to get there. There's a, Any good message is going to have a burden. Okay, that's great. We'll be right back to wrap up. In their upcoming book, Father Michael and Tom dig into one of the most important yet undiscussed topics in all of church world, money. Right off of their successful $15 million capital campaign, Father Michael and Tom give you strategies to fund your parish effectively. In order to complete our mission and vision as parishes and begin the process of rebuilding, we need to have funding available. Jesus had a lot to say about money, yet it seems to be something that we are increasingly uncomfortable talking about. This new book will dive into what Jesus says about funding the church and give resources to parishes for funding the new evangelization, whether it's a capital campaign for a building project or increasing the weekly offertory. You can find all the tools and strategies you need for raising funds for your parish. Be on the lookout for the new book from the authors of Rebuilt, coming fall 2019. Hi, everyone. Welcome back again. Today, Tom and I on the Rebuilt Podcast are talking about the message. And um, we want to just spend a minute reviewing before we wrap up today. Uh, The first thing is that the message matters. Your words matter matter. Words are powerful. Don't underestimate the power of words and the power of the pulpit. Pastors, Tom says, take control of the pulpit. And we offered you six best practices for preaching a message. The first is one church, one message. Preach the same message at all your masses on the weekend so that you get the whole church moving in the same direction. Number two, put talented people up there on the pulpit. We want, we have a really awesome, important message to get across, and it's not going to be um, as effective without a little bit of talent. So work on that talent. Number three, preach in a message series. It's just simpler and easier and fun. Number four, put together a message team. Put together some people that you know that love to brainstorm and throw out ideas. Um, The fifth one is to always, always know what you want your audience to know, what you want them to do, and what you want them to feel from your message. And finally, always be able to find your burden within that message. 
Tom, you want to pray us out? Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Um, You're welcome. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Uh, Father, we just thank you for the power you give us and the power of words, and that our words do have power. And God, we thank you that we have the most important message in the world, that you so loved, your, loved the world, you gave us your only beloved Son. And so, God, we just pray that we would be better at bringing this good news, this incredible news to people. Help us to communicate that in our churches so that we can draw people into a relationship with you. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.